Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Oh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. As usual, whenever you might be listening to this, welcome back to the Lower League Look National League podcast brought to you by me, Grant, and my extremely broken partner in crime for today's podcast, Aaron. How Hello, are you, mate. my friend? Hello. Uh, yeah, I've been better. I've been better. Um, obviously, it, it was birthday celebrations this weekend and... Uh, I think now I've hit the certain age of 25. I'm experiencing quite severe two-day hangovers. I thought I dealt with it well yesterday, but it's come back with a vengeance today. Mate, just wait till you hit your 30s. Like, so when you hit your 30s, it just gets worse. Like, I, I was out last Friday, and I'm still feeling the impact of being out last Friday. It's crazy. Pretty sure, pretty sure I've broke my ribs. But the I, flip side of that, like we were saying coming into this weekend, it's probably going to be a little bit of a not as in-depth weekend from my side because I've literally seen no football and probably by the result of my boys game that's probably a good thing right yeah yeah, we'll get on to it but I'm glad I've not seen any football and just spent time away from it really yeah it's a do you know what sometimes a little break from football is needed but the hangovers just aren't worth it mate they're not worth it but do you know do you know what at least you didn't phone me uh half one in the morning asking me to let you in your house like yeah. I asked you to let me in my house. There is always that. There is always that. Yeah. Every every yeah. cloud has a silver lining, mate. I would have been waiting here for ages to, for you to let me in. <laughs> That's because I am the responsible one of this duo. Apparently so. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't get easier the older you get, mate. Just <laughs> wise words of wisdom here. Nice. Uh, we were seeing before we started recording, it was, a, it was a funny old weekend this weekend because everything happened, but nothing happened this weekend. Yeah. There's a lot of decent scores, a, a lot of good ones, but you find teams haven't dropped or 
risen too much. You find a lot of teams have stayed in the same place, especially in and around the playoff spots, because teams that are mid-table seem to pick up important yeah. points from them. I think that's fair. I think there was a lot of goals and a lot of, you know, we'll, we'll speak probably good goals this weekend, but he didn't really have a monumental impact on the table. Um, so, yeah. Do you know what, anyone who's watching this on YouTube can just see how rough he is still feeling because he's sitting there with his hood up. You can see like half his head. He's sitting here like the fucking Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> like Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> Darth Sidious sitting here. <laughs> Sorry, it's Emperor Palpatine, isn't it? That's Darth Sidious. My Star Wars knowledge is terrible. I will probably get comfortable and take it down as we go, to be fair. <laughs> As long as you're talking about your hood and nothing else. (laughs) 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 But we've got a couple of things that we're going to talk about this week on the on the subjects of nights out. We're going to have a chat about some players that we think we might be good to have a night out with, kind of the midway point in the podcast. So if we don't mention your team this week, then we'll still try and fit a little bit on. I'm to have a bit of a laugh and give you guys something to listen to for a change. I'm not going to talk about Hartlepool this week quite conveniently because we get beaten. I don't want to talk about it, but there wasn't really a lot to talk about in the game, to be honest with you, other than Solly Hill pretty much doing Solly Hill things and mm. kind of going about their own way and solidifying, not solidifying a playoff spot, but bringing themselves in a cleaner grasp the of a playoff spot. The sort of positive spin on that, though, is it's probably a, a bad day in the office for Hartlepool, which you say less, you've been saying less of that, you know, since since the management came in and stuff. So you just got to pick yourself up and go again, haven't you? Exactly. And a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, I said I would take six points out of the last three games. We've got three. We've still got another game to go for me to for me to be happy. I think it's Barnet that we play at the weekend. I could be wrong. So it's another tough game that we've got coming up. So, but if we take three points. It's Barnet. If we take three points from Barnet at home, it's Hartlepool's hard game two fixture this weekend. So uh, a big game for Jill at HUFC hard game two. I am so good luck to Jill and her squad. I am mm-hmm. on, on this game's weekend. It's a huge, huge game for them, and it's a really important fixture for them. So yeah, good luck to Absolutely. to Jill and all the ladies that are involved with that. There we go. There's yeah. my piece on. There's my piece on Hartlepool. Short but sweet. In fact. Do you know what? I've got a nice little segue here. Ex-Hartlepool managers. Nice. We'll, we'll come on to where I think an ex-Hartlepool manager comes into it in this nice. game. So starting off from this weekend's action, we're going to continue on a team I've just previously spoke about as well, which is Barnet. And we've got a reason why we want to talk about this first, because... There's news hot off the press today as well. So, Barnett beat York 2-0. We had a brace in that game coming through from Callum Stead. For Barnett, I, I mean, would you say it was pretty much a nailed-on win for Barnett anyway? Would you say if they were to be going, I, we're going in this, I we're going to comfortably so. beat York? Yeah, I think so. We've And it's been, a, it's been a really, really strange, strange time for York, hasn't it? And it's probably culminated in this bit of news, but like... You look, we I think we've said it multiple times on this podcast, but you look at the sheer size of investment York have now, and the, the squad on paper should be nowhere near where they are. And 
I don't understand what's not clicking, but something hasn't been clicking and and it had to end this way, didn't it? But for Barnet, it's, it's another great result and gets them a step closer to the their end goal, really, doesn't it? It, re- it really does, because that's them firmly now in second. They've overtaken Bromley after Bromley had their loss I, at the weekend. I, I mentioned this to, to my wife that I was like, oh, look at this, Bromley. After getting the result that they did against Chesterfield, they've just went and thrown that advantage away this weekend and Barnet yeah. have taken advantage of it and beaten York, which we all expect them to do anyway. But they've thrown that advantage away and now Barnet are ahead of them. I was really, I think, I was I really think, disappointed by Bromley this weekend not being able to beat Eastley. The thing is, I would, I would much, I would much, be much more confident that Barnet can hold down second place, and Bromley have shown their ability to be able to be consistent enough for that second place in the last couple of weeks. So, and now Barnet are in there, I can't see them letting go of it easily. No, they really can't. I, I watched them the first game of the season, the first game of the season when we played them, and they, they're just a good outfit all round. Yeah. And it's going to be a tough game for us this weekend against Barnet. I've, I've, I, they just play decent football. They're an attacking team. Again, I wasn't surprised to see them beat York 2-0. But were you surprised by the news today that came out of York? So anyone who doesn't know this, it's listen to this now, Neil Ardley has been sacked by York. What's your thoughts on it, Aaron? I think it boils down to what I was just saying, really. I feel like the sort of the expectation of York and where they're supposed to be isn't meeting the reality of the situation at the minute. So you you would argue that something, you know, something did have to happen and, and obviously this is the outcome. Obviously, I think they will argue that, like, you need time to, like, you know, build and establish like your methods and whatever, but like I feel like for them it was kind of not not shit or bust because I don't think York will particularly go down. I might I might swallow my words, but I can't see them going down. Um but in terms of the investment, I, I think it's it's not been acceptable really where they are, where they should be. No, because this will be them now when they're third manager this season. Now you look at some of the names that they've got in their team. You look, Danny Amos, Mitch Hancocks, mm. um, Scott Burgess, Michael Duckworth, Ryan Fallowfield. Chadwick. Chad, yeah, I was, gonna, I was just going through. Billy Chadwick, Deepawak in Yemi, Kai Kennedy. They've got a lot of really talented players. Yeah. What's not clicking at York? Like, why can't this why can't this group of players perform? Why can't Ardley, who's a proven manager, get the best out of this squad? I think maybe for me, I know it's quite an easy cliche thing to say when things like this are happening, but you wonder when when a, a club's had quite a sizable bit of investment and brought quite a lot of plays in, sometimes it might take a season to get them all to gel. You know what I mean? Next if York survive this year, then next year we could be speaking about a completely different beast. It might just take them a lot longer for them to gel because there is so many new faces through the door and, you know. Do you, th- do you think it's kind of moving away from the amount of faces and I get I get that from the gelling of it. We, we talk about investing a lot in it. Do you think maybe too much has been put in in the wrong areas and the wrong players? And do you think York would benefit from a director of football coming in? Because all 
does really seem to point at Matt Ugla making the decisions around yeah. who's who, what players are coming in. There's people saying that he might have been talking on the team that's been playing, which I don't believe at all. But there's a lot of people looking in from the outside that have obviously been aware of his situation when he was at Yeovil that just think yeah. he's a bit of a basket case. I think it's it's a classic case of maybe that, that sounds, obviously I don't know the ins and outs, so I can't comment too much, but it sounds maybe that there might be too many cooks in the kitchen. You know what I mean? So maybe just simple down your operation a little bit. And like, like I said, I'm I'm very traditional, me, but I obviously again it's easy for me to say because we've got a chairman like this now. But I think your your chairman and your board of directors should do what they're there to do, which is you know, thankfully put money into the football clubs and and help and aid the managers doing whatever they need to do. I don't. I think when you've got even if it is just whispers, when you've got whispers of a of a chairman trying to dictate uh, teams, formations, signings, whatever it might be, you're never going to succeed in the long run, are you? No, of course not. Of course not. I'm trying to remember who the director was. I know they brought in a director who was previously at Hartlepool and then he left Hartlepool due to family circumstances and he ended up at York. I'm going to have to, I'm trying to remember the name. I can't remember the name of him for the life of me. I'm going to have to have a look up to see who it was. But I'm trying to figure out what he's doing at the club because I don't really hear much about that at all. You don't see his name pop up for what he's doing. I just feel that there's something severely lacking at the club from an operations point of view. And yeah. I think they need to steer in that direction, especially coming into the close season to push on for next season. Because surely they can't have another season like this again next next year. Like they they can't if they survive. I think if they, I think if they do, I I can't imagine the scale of investment being the the same sort of side, uh, the same sort of size that it is now. Is hang on. So here it says Darren Kelly is like the. Sporting director and a technical director, yep. and that makes that makes me laugh, right? Because Darren Kelly might might be genuinely the worst Oldham Athletic manager I've ever seen in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I remember we had this conversation when he came to us, and it well that, that, that that's your problem. Then if Darren Kelly's in charge, your recruitment, then you're never going to succeed. No, he wasn't. He was he was there for hours and. You've seen some of the things that, that Hartlepool recruited at the start of the season in the National League. And some of the things. <laughs> yeah, some of the things. We won't go into that too much. But could he be reunited if we're talking about York sacking their manager? We've got to talk about possible replacements. Now, I put out a tweet on the non-league look page about who I think my favourite for the job. For me, it's an absolute no-brainer who's going to go in. I can't see anyone else being the man to go in other than John Askey. Mm-hmm. And he's previously worked with Darren Kelly at, at Hartlepool. He's previously been the York manager. He got sacked just before Matt Ugla came in. He is a, There's a massive affinity from the York fans to um, John Askey. He loves the club. He loved going back when he was with us to York. He got greatly received. And by all accounts, he was at the game on Saturday as well and sitting with Matt Ugla. 
Interesting. See, I I didn't know that because before you said that all oh, facts, I was going to try and play devil's advocate and say because it wasn't Matoga's ownership. Do you think he and if if he is a bit of a basket case like some of the reports are led to believe? Do you think he'd want his own sort of man and his own sort of fresh start and seal of approval? You know, but I didn't know it like like you say if he was sat with him, then that's obviously a good indication that mm. he could be coming through the door. You know, I I can't see past him. At all. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was named as the York manager before the weekend. Yeah, well, it's funny, isn't it? Because we were saying before uh, before we came on air, uh, I know um, that you can't read too much into the odds, but according to odds checker at the minute, so it's John John Askett, two to one favourite. Then you've got Gary Johnson, who obviously just recently left talking in, the, in their situation at four to one. Um, and then People like Jonathan Greening and Russell Penn a bit further down the list. Do you know what? I think Jonathan Greening would be a good shout as well because he's at, we, we said he's at Scarborough, isn't he, just now? So yeah. again, it's not it's not too far down the road. He's doing really well at Scarborough, and he's, they play a really they, they play a really like expansive brand of football as well. I think and the, their yeah. fans really seem to like the brand of football that he plays. And with the players that they have, I think he would be successful there. It's, uh, yeah, it would be that would be an interesting appointment to see him coming up. The very in a very similar way to which you've seen Kevin Phillips coming yeah. in part of the pool as well. I think I, I think that would be a solid appointment, Jonathan Greening. If I was a York fan, I would probably go. Yeah, do you know what? Let's take a risk on someone that's maybe not had a job at this high caliber, yeah, and, and bring someone in that's maybe a bit younger, a bit exciting that could maybe get the the most out of the team. If you're bringing in John Askey, you know what you're going to get. I personally, I wouldn't be a fan of bringing him in, but this could be me just bringing my own personal opinions into it. Because yeah. I don't think he played attractive football when he was with us. I thought he was a bit of a dinosaur in, in his way, and he didn't like changing what he'd done. And yeah. if you've got a team that's running on real low morale just now, which your car, I don't think he's the man to motivate a team to keep you up. And also you've got you've got the whole side of it of like, you know, if like you said, this will be the third manager of the season. If it doesn't work out for Askey, then you know it's it's like it, I I think that this the closest situation that I've had is, you know, the the fifteen thousand times that Latics appointed John Sheridan as their manager. You know, what I mean, we we love shares, and we'll always have an affinity for shares. But it's like it's like that one, it's like that one girl or that one boy that you know is bad for you, but you you know you can't stop going back to. That's that's the sort of situation that these clubs find themselves in, isn't it? And it's not, it doesn't, if it doesn't quite often, if it doesn't work the first time, it's not going to work the second and third time, is it? So exactly. I do think maybe like a fresh, brand new, exciting approach would be better, but. I guess for what York need now, with the, you know, with them being in a bit of a scrap, you, like you go to home comforts, don't you, to keep you safe? I guess. But d- again, on on the flip side, does John Askey want to be involved in another relegation battle? Yeah, because he was involved in a relegation battle when he came to Hartlepool. There was big expectations. He got offered a three-year contract, and then he ended up relegating Hartlepool into the National League, and he didn't set in. He didn't set the National League on fire by any means. 
at all there. There was there was high hopes to get into the playoffs, and then you found Hartlepool down in the kind of lower mid table side of things. So, is that the manager that York want to trust in to keep them up? Because not far off dropping into your relegation spots at all. I believe they're on thirty nine points. I think it is that they are at the moment. I'm just going to double check just now while I'm here. I think they're on thirty nine. If uh, the, yeah, so yeah. they're a point. Out. They're a point outside the uh, the drop zone and Dorking, your favourite club, have a game in hand. Yeah, they've got a game in hand on them. So they are by no means safe at no. all. So it's a big ask for any manager who comes in. But big the big pos- ask. Big, a big asky. There we are. Do you know what? <laughs> we have got we've got a t- we've got a headline title Ooh. for this already. Oh I love you for that. <laughs> that's 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 a cracker, the big asky. I'm yes, it is a big ask to keep them and bring them up. But I think the right manager with the pool of players, if you get someone that can motivate them, they should be lower mid table come the end of the season. Surely to fuck. Yeah, and then they can build on. The thing is, all right. Again, I'll be honest, and I seem to like this terminology, but. We, I've been proven wrong once already when I've said this, so I'm going to say it again and hope it comes true. We we talk about footballing, for the footballing dinosaurs basically is what I'm trying I'm trying to get. At. Mm-hmm. And if York do stay up with um, Asky, are you then trusting him with investment at his hands to build a a playoff charging or a, you know or an even better charging like squad? I don't know whether you are. It's, it'll be an interesting one for sure. It's a tough one. It is a really, really tough one. Uh, we will see. We've spent a lot of time on York. I think it's. I think it's time we move on from York. What do you think? Yes, I couldn't agree more. So we'll see how York do. Good luck to Matt Ugla in your search for a new manager, and we'll talk next week about how you've appointed John Askey, and we'll see how John Askey's done in his first game in charge this weekend. But we'll more about that on the preview show, which will come out on Friday night or Saturday morning if I don't end up making an arse of the recording. So, next <laughs> up, we have, <laughs> we have got Faltering, Faltering, Alteringham. Oh, making a wee rhyme here. Against Maidenhead. So, the Alteringham lost 3-1 to Maidenhead. So, that just extends their poor run that they're on. They have now dropped out of the playoff spots fully. And they are on a run of three losses in a row. So they've been beaten by Aldershot, Hartlepool, and now Maidenhead. Altering went 1-0 up through Banks, and then Maidenhead scored three in fairly quick succession. They scored it in 17 minutes. Um, two in the first half, one in the second half. With Loco and then Smith, and then Clarima. Cler- Sorry, I'm butchering his name. Scoring pretty much straight into the second half and and killing the game the game off. It's all just going a little bit wrong for all teachers now, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, it I, it was you could say two teams in, in in poor form coming into the game because you know uh, Maidenhead were on a four match losing streak as well, and like you say, altering them lost the two previous. I think there's a question to be had now with you know with the last three results ah. Are teams finding a certain certain play style that they know will be altering them because of how sort of exciting and how much good football they try and play? Is it a case of 
some of these teams that go more direct against them, they can't really handle it. And that's why they're kind of coming unstuck. Yeah, it's funny that you should ask that because I always tend to find you get two different styles of teams playing in the National League. So you get your teams that play your on-the-ball, your your proper footballing teams. So you look like your, your Wealdstones, your Altringhams, your, your Hartpools, your Oldhams, your Chesterfields. But then when they seem to come against your big, hard-hitting teams that play direct football, they just tend to struggle that little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think so. And like, I mean, you, you can. I know you don't want to touch upon, but I don't. I don't know them three teams' style of play. But I'd imagine that Maidenhead are, are a bit more direct. And maybe when you when you beat them, were you you know were you going a bit more long ball? I mean, I think just they've got they've got quite a lot of good technicians in the Altrincham side, but have they got a lot of battlers? I don't know. I don't know whether they have, and maybe that's what's costing them a bit at the minute. Possibly, and it's something I'll need to look at more over the next couple of weeks because I've I've been guilty for not watching them probably as much as I should. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on over the games that they've got coming up. We'll look at Altrincham's next few games actually, and we can we can see what we think that they've got or how we think they'll do. I think they've got a great game coming up on the the twenty seventh. I am so that's tomorrow. <laughs> they have. South End, which should be a good game of football. Yeah. So again, two teams that like to play football. And so against against a team that I think will want to play against them, I think it's easy for Alti because space will start opening. You know, if a team if a, if a team comes onto them, there's going to be space for them to play sort of around them. Whereas if a team sort of plays direct and, and kind of sits in and looks for the sucker punches, I think it's ha- teams like Altrincham and. I say this because this is what Oldham have been faulty of as well this season. We can't, we don't have the sort of ability sometimes to break down the sort of more direct teams. Mm-hmm. I it goes again what you're saying. You play well against the teams at the top end who play football, but when it comes down to your hard hitting teams, your ones that are maybe more direct, that you struggle against more. And I think that's the thing that. I always say to new fans that are cut off, new fans of the National League, teams that have been relegated, fans of teams that have been relegated in the National League, when you come up against a team like Kings Lynn, then you know what's hit you because they're just going to go direct the full game because they know you're going to try and play football and they just play anti-football. Yes. And that's the sort of thing that's, that all have struggled with. After that, they've got Dagenham. Then they've got my favourite team, Dorking. And then they've got walking. So again, teams that are all down there and about. It's going to be a funny or other than Dagenham, who are setting up in 14th. The teams that are all kind of down in this scrap. Yeah. In fact, I can't even see that Dagenham aren't in the scrap because they're on 42 points. So yeah, teams that are all down in that scrap to, to go into the drop zone. So then I think Aldringham now then have to take the initiative over the next four games and be the be the team that like applies the pressure and you know like d- almost don't don't go away from your style that suited you so well but sort of wise up a little bit be a bit more be a bit rougher as well you can play good football but but also be quite rough and be, you know like be be bullies and stuff like give you a bit mm-hmm. give give a bit back to the direct teams and I think that's maybe what they're lacking at the minute yeah but on on the flip side of that game Cracking result for Maidenhead beating Alti three yes. one. It, it takes Maidenhead onto that 
42 points as well. Takes them a little bit clearer of the, the relegation spots. However, they've played 36 games, so they've played some of the most um, games in the league just now. So there's still, a little, there's still teams with games in hand that can catch them and pull them straight back down into it, but not taking that away from them. It's a phenomenal result for Maidenhead to, yeah. to bring in points that they might not have expected to get, but it just shows you how tight this league is. It's getting tighter every week as well. That's what's scaring me. Exactly. Do you know? Do you know the team that I've just been looking at? Looking at the league there. You talk about games in hand. Look at Wealdstone. Wealdstone are currently sitting in 18th on 39 points. You'll go. Hmm, yeah, they're they could get dragged into. It. They've only played 31 games. Yeah. They've got a lot of games in hand on people, but that's going to be fixture congestion for them. And also, they're in pretty, pretty bad form, aren't they? Really, no, no wins, uh, no wins in the last five, and, and two losses as well. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, like, like, but then I guess it's kind of contradictory what we've said in the past. Like, you're a big believer on you'd rather have points, yep. points on the board than than games in hand, right? Yeah, I would much rather have the points on the board than the games in hand because. For me, this goes down with Wealdstone with the amount, especially with the amount of games that they've got in hand, is fixture congestion. They've yeah. got they've got to fit in fifteen games into spaces where people only have to fit in ten games. Yeah. On it. Absolutely. So there's a lot to play in. Coming into the end of the season, it's a lot to ask of players where you're gonna have tired legs coming in. So will that have an effect on the the rest of Wealdstone season, God knows what's going to happen. But a player, I, a player that I really like that Wealdstone have got, if they do continue to get dragged into, I don't think will be there next. I do not think will be there next season. Is Sean Adarqua their front man? I think he's, I think he's great. He's a real, real talented young player. Still twenty three, bags of potential in him, and I can see him being a good man going forward for a potential top team. I think he's a really good striker. What's a top team? But like, where do you think he's seeing? Is Do you think no, he could be EFL or not? No, I, I think he'll be, he'll be a top National League player in a few years' right, time. Okay. Uh, I think he's a really talented player. And their manager's got the right the temperament, right ability to bring the best out in him. He's very, very similar to like a Joshua Mera style player. Yeah. So no, I think he's one to watch for them. And maybe, maybe if Mister Kelly's listening to this, and then you might get your wish. You never know. You never know. Now, Oldham, let's Please. let's rip let's rip I, the I, plaster off for you because I've, I've only I've only, just, I've only just stopped feeling sick. I don't need to feel sick again. I know you gave me stick a few weeks back. <laughs> Because we get beat by Kidderminster. So it's only fair that we just run it back that Oldham get beat 2-1 by Kidderminster. Frank's first game back and he get done by kids. Jesus Christ. I said he get done by kids. I didn't say anything else. I was going to say I don't want to get sued. Um... <laughs> we, we love Frank here. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? 
Yeah, you know what? It's not even just a different. If, if, if we, if, but and this has to come from like what my dad's told me as well because shamelessly I missed a home game to go on on the piss. But um, like it is what it is. Um, so there was nearly twelve thousand fans in as well at Boundary Park on Saturday. You know the the promotion that they did and whatever, and it just seemed to be from speaking to my dad that we just. Well, my dad said it, it was some of the worst football he's seen us playing in years. So I think that gives you an indication of how bad it was. Apparently, everything was just in the air. We were just pumping it long, hoofing it all the time. And, like, for all I call, like, fucking people like Phil Brown football dinosaurs, in, in the last couple of games, especially on that, that showing, and I've seen the highlights, could Mickey Mellon put himself in that category right now? Who knows, you know? Like, I, I just, what... I'd like to say that I'm still, still sort of semi-confident that we're we're going to cling on to the playoffs. But the fact, the fact that I'm now saying that we're going to cling on to the playoffs after like three weeks ago, I'm saying we're, I think we're we're not too far away from cementing ourselves. Also shows how tight this league is. Like we were just saying, but also shows maybe I should stop being so cocky. But like I feel like I feel like it is now touch and go, and I think that's unacceptable in its own sort of. Breath, really, if you think about, we were just talking about York and how much investment they put in. It, the investment that York's put in is, has been a drop in the ocean compared to what you know what what we've done and what Frank's done. And it's at some point like I I wouldn't say we're at crisis point because we're still in the playoffs and like that's a bit dramatic. But like like I just feel like we we should be a lot more cemented in them player places that we than we are now and. We're not we've not consistent enough to go up at the minute, and it really, really worries me. Would see if you see if you had lost to Kidderminster and we won, right? So hypothetical situation here, we would have been three points behind you. Would it have been? Would you have been a bit squeaky bum time here about our little bet that we've got going on? I I, th- I think so, maybe a little bit because like obviously um, your managers come in and, and kind of transformed you a little bit, and you. You're playing good football as well. It's not just like you're like scraping results, but like like you said, unfortunately, it's hypothetical. So like that's like me saying if if I had legs, I'd run the London Marathon. You know, it didn't it didn't happen. So like <laughs> if, um, if Manny had bollocks, she'd be Monkle. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It just didn't happen. But yeah. look, we I think the thing that worries me, I, we I can just go back and have a look a second. Um, how our running, we were talking about. Um, Runnings before our running worries me a lot. If I'm being honest, so we've got we've got Eastley um, tomorrow night, yeah. which you would think is a pretty even game. We could win that, and because it's a way ad, this is another thing we've said all, all season with Latics. Away from home, we look we look an absolute force. At home, we freeze up. Um, so yeah, Eastley away tomorrow, and then going into March, so it starts getting a bit bit more difficult because. We've got so we've got we've got South End, and then we've got um, Bromley at home. Then Aldershot away. Then was then Halifax away. Then the big one, the big one, which I probably won't go to, to be honest. And again, fake fan, but I'm only saying I I might not go to that one because I cannot do with. And I will say the social media section of Chesterfield fans, but I cannot do with turning up to Boundary Park knowing that they've sold out on away end and they could probably lift the title at Boundary Park after all the pre season pre season 
go in between the two sides. I can't deal with it, Grant. You see, if it's not right, if Chesterfield can't win the league at that match, will you go? Probably, yeah. But if they are, if there's the possibility of them winning the league at Boundary Park, then you will not go. Well, it's a, it's. A, I, I guess I need to see what we do in the games between them because if like if we've picked our shit up and we're like maybe three, four, five points cemented in the playoff places, then I, I probably wouldn't go. I know that sounds awful. But if, if we needed to get something from that game and, and the game's left, I would definitely be there because obviously there's still yeah. things riding on it for us. So I guess it just it just depends really what happens in the next couple of weeks. But I actually can't be... The the thought of Chesterfield bands gloating in my Twitter DMs and, and my, my mentions just make me feel more sick. In fact, talking about that, coupled with Kidderminster Battery and Oldham at Boundary Park, he's bringing my tequila up from Saturday night. Do you know what baffles me the most about that run of games, right? So... Barring the East League game. So yes. you've got Oldham. So you've got Oldham. You've got South End, Bromley, Aldershot, Halifax, and Chesterfield. So that's five games, right? You have five games from the 2nd of March to the 16th of March. It's five crazy. games in 14 days. That's nuts. That is fucking batshit. But also, I'm not going to use that as an excuse because we've got obviously one of the largest squads in the National League. So, it's you know, if, if that was absolutely like, batshit. Yeah, it is mad. Yeah. Uh, and But the thing is, there's a little bit of, and it's probably blind optimism and blind faith, but there's a little bit of me going back to what we just said, going into some of them fixtures because the teams in and around us and a bit higher than us. We probably do all right, you know what I mean. If it, if it was like the, if it was the bottom seven, I'd be I'd be crying. I'm gonna be like, we're gonna blow it, we're gonna blow it. But <laughs> against the teams above us, you, you never know, you know. Like we know. beat Barnet twice already this year, you know. We we've we've uh, we beat Solihull. We can do it against the big the bigger teams or the the promotion contenders. So anything could happen with Latics at the minute. I think I think the season's hanging in the balance at the minute. Yeah, it's the league's unpredictable as ever. You'll probably go out and you'll. Win half of them and lose half of them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Who who knows? Now you mentioned about bringing up your tequila. Let's move on to talking a little bit about nights out before we go for a break here on this one. Right. I want you to name two players. Okay. That you would want to go on a night out with. Okay. That currently play in the National League, like, and and why you would want to go out with them? Okay, okay. Um, so I'm gonna give I'm gonna give reason. Uh, can I can I have three, please? Can I have three? Right. All right, go for three. Okay. go for three. So I'm um, I I think every good night out needs that like cocky shit of a friend that always kind of tries to start a bit of beef that you know that you know you're gonna have to drag out of the beef. You know what I mean? And yeah. for me. For me, that would be Chris Con Clark because I've not seen a player with more technical ability, but that's a bigger best, like best player in the National League, by the way. Best yes. player by a fucking but mile. Also, also, he's a proper little cocky prick, if we're being honest. And that's fine because he's got the ability to back it up. So I would love him to come on a night out just to start a bit of you know, riot and and that. And then I think you also need the, the funny guy, you need the funny man. And for me, when I talk about a funny man with a great personality, I can't look any further than Mike Bond, up, to be honest. So Big Mike is coming out on a night out with me for that right. reason. Yeah. And then 
we need the hard man to get Con Clark out of the mess that he's created. Yep. So I'm I'm gonna go maybe like a Honorise because he's he's shit at football, but he looks like he could back himself in a fight. So they're my three, and they're my three reasonings. Are you happy with that? Fair enough. That's that's a good that's a good night out. I like that. I don't know what I don't know what Onyerise is meant to be like on a night out. If he's footballing abilities, if he's as good as his footballing ability, then it'll be a shit night out. But yeah, he's he's a big he's a big guy. He played at the weekend randomly. I don't, we played yeah. five. We played five at the back, and I was like, eh? "Not played five yeah. at the back under Kevin Phillips yet." But yeah. go on then. So was, I, I'm going to switch the question and give you. You can, if your night out wants to look different to mine, that's fine. But you have to give three players for three different situations and why. Right. Okay. So my first pick is going to be Carl Magny of Gateshead. Nice. So my reason behind that is that he's been around for a while. Carl Magny, he's been a captain of clubs, but he was also he came into football in a really strange way. So he, you remember the show Football Icon? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was on Sky One. So he won. I think I think it was the second season of Football Icon. So he was handpicked by Jose Mourinho to get a contract out of every. <laughs> of everyone, and so he, he won a, a contract with Chelsea, and he was picked by Josie Mourinho because he won this reality football show. So he'd have the stories about being in the Chelsea youth team, the stories about training yeah. under Brendan Rodgers, um, and there'd be players and that he trained with that went on to be in first team Chelsea players. So you have stories yeah. about absolutely everyone, like and that. he's a northeast lad, so I think he'd be a right good laugh on a night out and. Being an ex Hartlepool player as well, I, I know he's a funny guy, and he scored some cracking goals. So I think he'd have some good, good stories to have on a night out, and he, he definitely looks like he enjoys a scoop. So first, first pick, Carl Magny. I'm I'm stealing one of yours. I was going to say him anyway. Big Mike Fondop. It's got to be done. Like I don't think we could have picked a night out either of us without having Big Mike. God's number nine on a night out. I think he'd just be an absolute riot and he'd just do some silly, silly things. So, yeah, he's mine. And again, I, I was going similar logic to you of just having like a big guy there, but who I also think would be an absolute demon on a night out. And that's Big Depot Akinyemi. Oh, yes. at York. And he lives in York, and York's meant to be one of the best nights out in the UK. So, everyone to York. Big Depot's there. We'll have Matt Ugla funding the night. Um, we'll have Carl Magney just telling mad stories and being a riot. Mike Fondot being nuts. And me and Big Depot just trying to outdrink each other. Sounds like a good night. I think we should get the, the viewers and the listeners of this podcast so to tell us which night out they prefer to come on. Either which night they would prefer to come on, or if they could name three yes. players that they would want to go on a night out on, and I'll put that in a separate Twitter post as well because I think that'd be good. So we will do that. But at this moment in time, we're going to go for a quick break and we will be back after our adverts have rolled. So everyone, sit back, enjoy the adverts, and we will see you in a minute. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back. It's now part two of the Lower League Looks National League podcast. I've said it right this time. I didn't fall over. Yay. Oh, thank God for that. So we just discussed a good night out there. And do you know what? I'm surprised I didn't choose this next guy for my from a big man that I was wanting to, to have on the night out. So it's going to bring us on nicely to Borumwood. Borumwood have found a groove again, haven't they? So oh, they've beat Fylde 4-0. I mean, I know it's Fylde that they beat 4-0, but I don't really want to talk about the result too much. There's just one man that we want to talk about again, isn't it? That is Big Kabongo Tishimanga. Like, how good is it having him back in the league? And the thing is, right, I've got serious egg on my face right now because when he signed, I was like, I get it, and he'll probably score a hat full of goals, but, like, his career's kind of gone down the pan a bit, you know, because of the stuff at um, Peterborough and um, stuff like that. I just thought maybe he's struggling a bit. Obviously, I know he had the injuries, but he's just come in and he's really at the fire straight away, and... There was, I know he scored two at the weekend, but there was one particular that we're going to speak about. It's just he literally took the ball, turned his defender, and just put an absolute rocket into the top left corner. In he, fact, he, have we put have we put it on the Twitter? If not, we should definitely put it on the Twitter. No, we've not. I will, I will get it retweeted from someone. Yeah. I will shamelessly steal it from them and do that, and then credit them with. That as well. So not shamelessly steal it, but I will retweet out. It's nice. just a fun, it's just a phenomenal goal. Is he the best striker in this league? Hmm. Probably. I don't. It's, it, I feel like probably with his with his like past exploits in this division, there's an argument for it. But I feel like you'd also then have it have. Chesterfield fans and Oldham fans tripping in and going, hang on, we've got we've got we've got Will Gregg and we've got James Norwood that have done it at pedigrees at very you know a lot higher levels. So I think this year in this division, there's a lot of top top quality strikers, but he's definitely up there 100. percent And yeah, he's like, done it. He'd done it at Chesterfield as well, though. Yeah, but Chesterfield were at this division, no? Yeah, they were at this division. So I mean, that's what I'm saying, is he the best? Player or best striker in this division? Maybe in terms of somebody that's like, you know, like the other week we were speaking about when a player finds this like finds this level and they're just good at this level. Maybe he's like the the top prime sort of quality um, candidate for that because obviously we've we we seen him go to Peterborough and I know he can't help injuries and that, but yeah, I don't think it really it's not really worked out and I wouldn't be surprised. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what. Peterborough's plans are going to be for him in the, in the summer. Um, but, have a clue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's definitely been, up 
he signed he signed for them in twenty two twenty three. I don't know how long the contract was, but they spent a pretty penny on him. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. But he's back. He's back. I'm going to say he's back home at Borehamwood, where he's done so well before. He scored three and five. We discussed earlier on that Borum would have, did I say 11 games that Borum would have left to play yeah. in this league? How many do you think he can score in the next 11 games? So he scored three already. How, what do you think he can finish on? Is it realistic so, for him to get into double figures? Yeah, I would imagine so. I, I, I'm going to say 12, I'll say. I was going to yeah. say I was going to say 11. So we're pretty close. We're very, very close. But he's there. I can't see him not hitting double figures. The thing is, we could say this, and then tomorrow, uh, are they playing tomorrow night or whenever the next playing? He could touch, but it doesn't happen. But the way football is, you could just pick up an injury, and that'll be him done for the season. You know, so like, it's so hard to predict, isn't it? You know, if he, if he plays the next, we'll see. If he plays the next eleven games, I cannot see him not. Getting double figures, just yeah, the way have, that he's have, the way that he's playing. I have to agree, yeah, for sure. He's just a he's just a talented, talented guy and an absolute fucking beast. He he's the player that I think York thought they were getting in Depot Akinyemi. Mm-hmm. He's done so well at Airy bagged. I think it was almost as many goals or as many goals as games that he was playing, and they spent a lot of money on him. When they possibly could have went and got someone like this on loan, yeah, it's just again it comes down to like recruitment and getting your recruitment right, doesn't it? A hundred percent. But Bournemouth the next couple of games they got a real tough game this weekend. They've got yeah this weekend they're not playing tomorrow, so they've got Gateshead, then they've got Halifax, and then they've got Solihull, and then they've got Altrincham, and then Chesterfield. So it's a real tough run of games that Bournemouth have got coming up. A really yeah. tough run of games for them, so it'll be interesting to see what they can pick up and, and how many Tashmanga can score over the next couple of games. I was going to say, having somebody like Tashmanga in the side, though, against teams like that is always going to be, it's going to be an advantage, well, not an advantage, but it's going to definitely help your cause, isn't it? 100%. So that'll be, that'll be interesting to see. Talking on the other side of that game, Files obviously taking a four and a loss. It keeps them on that magic thirty-nine points that we've we've mm-hmm. spoke about so many times. They are still very, very much in the scrap to go down. I honestly can't predict who's going to go. Well, I think obviously we're going to talk about it a bit more in detail in a second, but I think you can probably say that Oxford are gone now. Yeah, I would say. I would say that um, so you know I'm, I'm gonna say it I'm gonna say it bye if 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 the rumors are to be true and based on what we've just talked about asking and what you know whether he is the man for a dog fight I might stick my neck out on the line and say that you're going down to the national league north would be a real big possibility that's a big shout. Yeah. Show me. So and then I'm I'm so I don't know why I've just started giving you my bottom four, but we'll do that's it fine. Like just let's, let's 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 roll with it. Let's roll with um, it. Um, and then what else are we looking at? So the thing is, I kind of want to continue being the sort of 
good cop, bad cop with Dorkin, and I want to say Dorkin will survive. So that's what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to swap Dorkin and York out, and then uh, York take the 21st. I think Kidderminster. Mm, it's so difficult to predict, but I also, for the sake of it, I'll swap um, Kidderminster with Fylde as well, and then Woking and Oxford can stay where they are. So my bottom, my bottom four are going to be uh, Fylde, York, uh, Woking, and Oxford. So mine are going to be. I think it's going to be very similar. I am going to go for Oxford, Woking, Dorking, and Fylde. Three of the four. That is my. That's my bottom. I think Kedem, I think Phil Brown will do enough to keep Kidderminster up. Yeah. He's he's doing he's doing well with him just now. So wow, that's a that's an unpredicted turn of events that we've predicted our bottom four. Yes, I'm glad we we're not predicting the top seven as well. No chance. I don't even want to predict the top. I'll predict that I can predict maybe the top three. <laughs> and I'm gonna go Chesterfield, Barnet, and Bromley. <laughs> something's telling me that Chesterfield are gonna win the league at this point. I don't know what, but something's telling me that. Um uh, yep. <laughs> yep, the wind is telling me that Chesterfield have won the league and they're gonna win it. They're gonna win it at Oldham. <laughs> oh great. <laughs> In fact, that's perfect timing. So let's let's talk about Chesterfield's game because Chesterfield were two 0 up at the weekend, yep. and they got pegged back. Pegged. They... Jesus, Grant. Sometimes, just so just so we're clear, yeah. So I'm just recently turned twenty five, and this I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are in your thirties, aren't you? Yeah, I'm so like, This is what I mean. Look at the. Maturity difference, you know, that's get a grip. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, they get pegged back by Rochdale to make it <laughs> to all draw. I'm, I mean, again, it's not a massive thing for Chesterfield, they've got the league tied up, they'll just see it as a, a little bit longer that they need to wait to tie up and, and eventually win the league. Yeah. But, the bigger story coming out of this is how big not it's not how big the point was for Rochdale for me. It's it was almost like a statement that they made after the last yeah. week that they've had. So yeah. Anyone who's I'm been living under a rock recently, Rochdale have had a hell of a lot of issues over the last week. They, they, it was almost set that they were going to be liquidated, and there was a, a real, real concern from fans, not just of Rochdale, but football fans all over the country, seeing another club that was going to potentially just disappear like that. I, just through, it's difficult to say miss ownership because Rochdale are they're fan owned, but. You can't not say miss ownership because anything that goes into liquidation is just through poor ownership. And there's been so many talks of takeovers coming in, then talk the takeover disappears, then a talk mm-hmm. of a takeover and a takeover disappears. It's been a torrid, torrid season for them. And I think more than sorry, more than like mismanagement. I think it's just the lack of finances available to them and the mm-hmm. lack of like resources, you know, and probably probably the size and and this again. Rochester fans probably listen to this and think, "Fuck me, Aaron has a dig every single week." I, I don't, I don't mean to. I'm just saying facts. Like 
the, the Rochdale's fan base can't really grow like you know like they're not gonna ever get six thousand seven thousand fans in at Scotland, are they? You know what I mean? So they've not got that revenue from big gates. They get like two and a half thousand, three thousand fans a week. So they're all you're always going to struggle when that's what you're like what your finance sheet looks like. Yeah, and they're in they're in that area where there's a lot of clubs in and around them that people would end up going to as well. So there's like yourselves, there's your Bolton, your Manchester's, your Huddersfields, your Burnleys. There's so many clubs in that area and trying to gather more fans in yeah. it is always going to be difficult especially when you've got a club in a National League point when there's especially from an, an investment point of view as well like Google why invest in Rochdale it's horrible I think but they've got an EGM called which is on the 7th of March 7th of March so tell us a little bit about the EGM or what's going to be happening at this EGM Aaron so from what I have been told and the space that we delivered, um, which I'm right in thinking people, if they want more information, they can still go back on our Twitter page and listen to the space, can't they? Yep, can still go back so, on Twitter page and I'd, listen to the space. And it should be uploaded on Spotify. If not, it will be uploaded on Spotify. And even as a neutral and a, and a quote-unquote rival fan, I would, like, I would advise anyone that's a football fan, probably especially outside of the Premier League, to go and listen to that space because, like, just some of the stuff that was said on it was really important. And we had, um, we had like one of the late and Orient directors on there as well. Obviously, they went through similar things, and it was just really interesting. And basically, there's there's an extraordinary general meeting being held at Scotland on the seventh of March, and it's their chairman Simon Gorge and the board of directors are getting together with the stakeholders and shareholders of the football club, and basically. There needs to be a vote passed, and with a majority uh, deciding that some of the shares and stakes in Rochdale Football Club need to be diluted uh, in order for a sole owner to come in and save the football club. Now, Simon Gorge has made it pretty much known, without really saying it, if that makes sense, that there is maybe a sole owner or investors in the wings, but they can't move on without having a restructure of the stakes and shares. Now, to me and to you and to everyone listening to this, you'll be thinking, well, surely all they've got to do is go to that meeting and say yes to diluting the shares and then they'll be saved. And yes, that is the most logical thing and I can't see any other outcome. But the problem you've got is you've got you've got some... like It's a bit like the battle of the young supporters and the old supporters at Rochdale at the minute. There's a very divided fan base and some of them are just going to be that... I think some of them will be a bit naive to get rid of the shares, you know, because they've had them for so many years. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a really interesting meeting to be fair, and hopefully for them they, the best outcome is that they can come to an agreement on a new structure for shares and stakes in the football club, and there is a sole trainer, a sole tra- sole owner, sole trainer. I'm back in business studies at school, am I? <laughs> um, there is a sole owner or potential investors that are waiting in the wings at Scotland. I mean, you hope so because the worst case scenario is if this doesn't get agreed, we will see almost the inevitable liquidation of Rochdale. Well, the thing is, they've said, in he actually came out on the club statement and said, if this doesn't get a pass, then we're going to go in, like, April time. He literally yeah. said, like, because because it's a really sort of unique situation where, like, administration isn't even on the cards. 
it's not like they could go into administration first and then try and save it. And then, you know, it's got to be, it's either restructure or liquidation. And that is, that is the terrifying thought, really. So, I mean, the fans pretty much have no choice here. Well, their choice is they either agree to this or you'll be looking at a Phoenix club coming up again and having to come through the leagues, yeah. which no fan wants to go through again. You look at the likes of Murray, you look at the likes of Darlington, it's a long slog coming back through the league again. But then, just to play devil's advocate, and I'm not going to say anything too liable because I don't want to get us sued, but my, my, there is a bit of me that thinks if they do agree to that, you know, do this and dilute the shares, and then for whatever reason, the potential investors in the wings or the the sole owner doesn't pull through again, then then what? Then where does the fans trust go? Then what happens then? Do you know what I mean? I think no, they're, just, they're just they're just putting a lot of the time and effort and trust into a situation or a board of directors that might have not not intentionally. But in the last couple of months, they've said X, Y, and Z, and then done completely different, or it's not transpired the way it's supposed to have transpired. So I, I, I'd still be wary on that front. Do you know what I mean? I know. I, I think it has to change, though, doesn't it? I think I can't see any other outcome than, other than them diluting the shares. Yeah, it, it's got to be done. So I, I just my I put out there to any Rochdale fan that might be listening to this, or anyone that is considering voting against this, reconsider strongly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you might not have a football club to support anymore. Yeah. Please, please, please consider your options wisely on this and try and save the club where you can. It's a tough time. No one wants to see another club go out of business. But for me, there needs to be more help from further up. Yes. At the end of the day, this is this. We were talking the other week about the structure of the football league. More has to be done to support teams lower down because you're seeing this happen more and more and more to teams that are struggling further down. And then your Premier League clubs will probably go, "Why should we bother about that?" I mean, they're only bothered about the the elitism of themselves, but they they are spending billions. You look at Gary Neville just called Chelsea the was it the big blue billion bottle billion pound bottle jobs, yeah. To, to put billion pounds in a football team and, and, and anything when you're looking at hundreds of thousands of pounds, maybe tens of thousands of well, pounds, it's like, to save a club. It's like Rochester fans were, were, were quite rightly saying it makes me sick seeing like Sergeant Radcliffe, you know, do a like billion, like billion pound, multi million pound, uh, sorry, multi hundred million pound, whatever it is, deal at Manchester United when 45 minutes down the road. There's probably a club that's going uh, under for the sake of you know, mm. like a couple of million or you know whatever it is. It's just it's just crazy, and it it's really is crazy. And the thing is, I know it's not particularly national league, but also we might as well touch upon it very briefly while we're talking about teams in trouble. Like obviously, thoughts and thoughts. I was going to say thoughts and prayers, like they were dead then, but you know what I mean. Like my thoughts are with um, Torquay United at, at this time as well, because yeah. obviously they've had some. They've had a really tough week as well. Do you want to just touch upon that very quickly? Yeah, I mean, Torquay are also going through a, a horrendous situation. You mentioned earlier on about their manager. I'm having to leave, but it's just a financial situation that's horrendous. Mm. But if you see, if you go back a couple of seasons ago for Torquay, how different could things have been for Torquay in that playoff final 
if yeah. they'd if they'd beat Hartlepool. Mm-hmm. They were literally a penalty away from securing EFL status. Yeah, it's mad. They it? lost out on penalty shootouts. If they'd have went up, they would have been in the EFL and they wouldn't have been in this position. I, I think it brings a whole new meaning to the saying that the playoffs are a lottery, doesn't it? Massively. Um, massively. Um, and yeah. That was one of the most dramatic playoff finals I've seen in a long time with us being 1-0 up and then them equalising in the last like minute with Lucas Kovalan. And then they had us, our backs were to the wall and then it came to the penalty shootout and then we had the save from the keeper and, and uh, we went up ahead of them. And now we are back in the National League and mid-table and, and Torquay are pretty much gone. Mm. It's it's Crazy. horrific. Crazy do, you know, do you know what? We're gonna f- I'm going to finish up on one more thing. And I've mentioned Lucas Kovalan. And I think it's very apt that we finish on this. Now, you, we say Torquay, he scored that goal in the, the playoff final and they saved two of the penalties. Lucas Kovalan tonight is going to be taking part in an FA Cup fifth round match for Maidstone. Maidstone yes. are playing Coventry who are currently sitting ninth in the championship. They're one match away from the quarterfinals. Now, I remember when we were talking, we said, I was like, do you think they've been rewarded with their win? Because they, they had a win against Barrow, and then they get Stevenage. I was like, do you think they've been rewarded with that? And she's like, no, nah, it's not really a reward, a reward playing Stevenage because they're a tough team. But they beat Stevenage. And then they get Ipswich, and you're like, nah, there's no way that Maidstone... Are... Did you see Maidstone beating Ipswich? Absolutely not. No. Ipswich yeah. are currently sitting third in the championship. They beat them 2 1. But now they're playing Coventry in the fifth round of the FA Cup. They're sitting ninth in the championship. What must Maidstone be thinking just now? Well, they're literally one more surprise away from being in the FA Cup quarter final. And right. that, that's, that sentence for a National League North side is absolutely incredible, isn't it, really? And like, it just shows that the mag- even without trying to bring a depressive spin on it, even with the talk of you know them abolishing replays and whatever, and the magic of the FA Cup dying, it's in the these games where the magic of the FA Cup is still very much alive. You know, yeah, it's mad. I feel bad that they've not had a glamour tie no. because <laughs> Barrow, Stevenage, Ipswich, and Coventry isn't exactly the most glamorous run ever in the yeah, FA Cup, yeah. but. You're talking against a team who's set to probably get promoted to the Premier League in Ipswich and a team in Coventry who could go up in the playoffs to the Premiership. Yeah. Like it's I think if you if you if you're the the game plan, George Elkopi's main game plan is if you want to win the game, you've got to keep Calm O'Hare quiet, really, aren't you? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So I know this'll go out post game, but Good luck to Maidstone tonight. I'll be watching. I I really hope we see another cup upset and that they get really fairly rewarded with a glamour tie in the quarterfinals. Just here in National League South and quarterfinals of the FA Cup. For me, that shows that the magic of the FA Cups is truly alive. And for me, that's what the FA Cup's all about. If mm-hmm. they go out, like commiserations, but also congratulations because no one's seen Maidstone getting that far. 
and like I said to you before we recorded as well, like regardless, the money that they would have generated from this run, even though it's not a Premier League glam tie, you know, they've been on TV, you know, uh, pretty much consistently throughout the run and it, it can really like keep a club like that going, can't it? It, it really can and the money that they get in from this cup run could push them on to bigger and better things. They could see themselves getting a push to, to win the league next season. They're currently sitting eighth in the National League South. It, it could push them on to have a budget to compete to win the league next season and build a competitive squad to compete in the National League the next season. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge... I mean, they've already done more than anyone would have thought. There's no shame on them if they go out tonight, but I want them to go through you want them to go through? Absolutely, do I want them to go through? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, the Callum. <laughs> the team, the teams are up. They kick off from now in about forty-five minutes. So by the time we've got this edited and launched up on Spotify, on Apple Music, where you will rate us five stars, you can yes, comment you whatever will. the hell you like. You can call us both broken old men if you really want to. Is if you don't rate it five stars, I'm gonna go and drink myself into a, a oblivion just because I want the five stars so bad. <laughs> we both want five stars. Everyone, thank you very much once again for listening. It has been an absolute pleasure doing this podcast again this week, especially beside you once again, Aaron. Aaron, we've made it through this last hour. Are you amazing? Yes, we've done well. We've done well. And I promise, I promise I'll be back to my normal self next weekend. I've not uh, n- next week, I've not got anything planned this coming weekend, so I'm going to be back fresh-faced and ready to go next week. I mean, I expect you to be back in fresh-faced for recording the preview show. Yeah, um, fair enough. You've got, you've got a little bit less time to recover on it. I'm, I'm <laughs> back. I'll be back at 100% next week, absolutely guaranteed. Everyone... At, least I can just, at least I can just get Loz to carry me if I'm still a bit rough. <laughs> She's, doing, she's doing well. She's doing well. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening. As I said earlier, rate us five stars across all your podcast platforms that you might be listening this listening to this on. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube as well when you're giving us a watch on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the little bell to be notified when we go live. This has been great, everyone. Thank you so much. We've been the lower league. Look. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 